Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Francis Ha. Tell me the story of us. Again? We are going to take over the world. You'll be this awesome publishing mogul. And you'll be this famous modern dancer. Have you ever done where you play fight? I don't want to. Oh, it's super fun. I know when to go. Oh my god, stop it! Damn it! Oh, sorry, you have to like fight back. Stop it! I said stop! Oh, so sorry. I asked you to move in with me. You said no. But I can't. You can. You don't want to. What do you do? I, it's kind of hard to explain. Because what you do is complicated? Uh, because I don't really do it. So if you come with me, where? Bathroom. Really? We're still doing this? Sometimes it's good to do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from Time, Lily Rothman, and tonight's guest, Greta Gerwig. Great. Hi. Hello. Hi. Thanks for coming. Uh, so we were just talking back there about how, um, how it's been sort of a long journey yes. uh, with this film. So yeah. when did when was the first sort of seed of Francis Ha? Um, probably the first seed of Francis Ha was in. I guess 2009, and then it took about a year to write it, and then, um, I mean, not a solid year. I was doing other things. That would be very slow. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we shot it. God, you know, I don't, we shot it like a, over a longer period of time. I think the last shooting we did was in 2012, and then it premiered in 2012 at uh, the, Telluride Film Festival, and um, then it was bought, and then it was held until this past spring. So it's been it's been an incredible journey, but it's also feels like it's been a very long gestation period. And have your feelings about the film changed at all in that time? Oh, um, I don't. No one's ever asked me that. I I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I certainly. When I saw it, I, I mean, at one point it was just getting it done and we were showing it to a lot of people to get feedback and um, we were getting it ready to submit to festivals, but I'd never really seen it with an audience. And then um, when I saw it, I watched it at Telluride with an audience and it was, um, it was, it, 
it was the greatest moment of my life thus far, and it was it was so it was like sharing this this thing that had been living inside of me as a writer and as an actor for so long with a room full of people and feel them feel it was extraordinary and um, so that experience it's, it's impossible to repeat that and um, and I think once that festival experience passed by it became it became almost like when you when you've been to a beautiful place on a trip but then you leave it behind and you keep going, it, it felt like a place I was one time. So is seeing it now or seeing you know, the trailer, like looking at pictures from that trip or? Yeah, yeah, it's like part of you, but it's not where you are now. So it feels, I feel, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's in my DNA now, but it's not um, something I'm living anymore. So as a co-writer of the film, um, what was that first thing that sparked it in you know 2009? Well, after um, I had acted in uh, f the film Greenberg, which Noah had written and directed, and um, long uh, after we'd made it, and then they were editing it, and then sometime after it came out, Noah e emailed me and asked me if I'd be interested in um, working with him on a on a movie that would be shot in New York, and that he was interested in doing in maybe a more pared down way, and uh, if I if I had any ideas for that, and um, then I emailed him back. I had been writing over the past few years, but I hadn't finished anything because I'd been acting and because. Um, and because probably I was scared and lazy. Um, and so I sent him all these ideas, all these fragments of ideas and little scenes and snippets of dialogue and um, in a document. And he, he liked it very much. And then he started adding things. And then really, we just started trading back and forth this email document that grew into what the script has become. And since then, I've I've written and completed more scripts and I don't find the process that different it's, it's always sort of starts with uh, almost like a lot of little clues that you don't even know what they mean that you've written down over the years and then you look at you it's almost like you try to find a link between these things that seem disparate and what is the life behind the moment and um, just following those breadcrumbs and how does having gone through that process of developing the story affect it when you come to the time to act in the movie? Um, I find them to be very separate process. It, it, it's not, I mean, because uh, the, the script writing process and the acting process were very distinct and there's no improvisation and we didn't change the script once we were on set. So really the script was the script and then it existed as a document and then we started casting all the roles and I felt like I was first approaching it from the position of auditioning other actors, which was um, really fun and really terrifying. So I was trying to find Francis while they were trying to find their characters they were auditioning for. And um, I, it, it's funny, because it doesn't, it doesn't really, it didn't really help me that I had written it in, to, in, in acting, because in some ways, uh, there's like practical decisions you're making while you're writing, because 
you know in a certain scene, okay, this piece of information needs to get out, and, and you find ways to get the information out and disguise it as best you can so it doesn't feel like exposition. Or, but it's very, there's like a, an element of writing that's very nuts and bolts. And, but then when you're an actor, you can never say anything because you're saying it because we need to know it for the next scene. It has to be motivated by another reason. So in, in some ways, it's like, a, it's like another turn of the creative wheel. And you know, maybe great writers, it's all combined, and there's always a reason. But I think, you know, for me, sometimes you just need to get information out. So I think we have a clip um, we should take a look at. Um, the what are we going to do today scene. Great. <laughs> How could you not want to date him? He's kind of magic. Because I'm with Patch. Patch is the kind of guy who buys a black leather couch and is like, I love it. What are we doing with our day? I gotta get going around five. I thought we were hanging out. We are. All day. I have plans with Patch tonight, I told you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I texted that to you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Here. We're not doing that. That's shitty. It's not court. I did text you, though. I believe you. You don't have to believe me. I did text you. Want to see my room? So one of the things I was thinking about um, in terms of sort of talking about this movie today is I was reading um, an article about how in Sweden at some movie theaters, they're going to start rating movies by the Bechdel test, which oh, yeah. sort of determines the how a movie stacks up on a feminist scale. And one of the, you know, yeah, it's like how many women have names. Yeah. How, do they ever have a conversation with each other where they don't talk about men? Yeah, exactly. There's like all these exactly. Things, yeah. And so I was thinking about the relationship between Francis and Sophie. And I mean, in this scene, they do talk about a boy, but. Um, that so much of the film is their relationship. Yeah. And, you know, as someone who writes a movie and then appears in it, that one of the reasons you might do that is if there aren't the kind of roles that you want. I mean, how do you feel about the state of roles available for a woman in Hollywood? Um, I, you know, it's complicated because I think, I, I think clearly um, there's a, I mean, there just is a dearth of speaking roles for women. I think there was a USC study done last year, and it's something like 28% of speaking roles are for women. So, I mean, it's just statistically there are fewer. Um, that being said, I feel like every year I see female performances that are incredible, and they're totally fully formed humans, and they're great actresses taking on great roles. I mean, I think, I think clearly they are not enough. But um, I, I didn't write it because I, I didn't write it because I thought, um, oh, I'm not getting the kinds of roles I want. I, I've, got, I've actually gotten to play really great female roles that I didn't write, and I, I'm very grateful for that. But um, I, yeah, I, I certainly think it, it, it's, it's, it needs to be better. It needs to be better than it is, um, but um, I, you know, I, I think I think there are lots of women who are really talented and writing interesting stuff and doing their part. Um, so hopefully, it just will get better. 
And in terms of that relationship in Francis Ha between those, these best friends, um, how do you think that sort of, in terms of a, as a story, compares to a story of a romance, which is something you see much more often as the central relationship? Well, I think my interest in this goes back to um, actually college. I, I, had, I took a lot of playwriting classes. I wanted to be a playwright. Um, and I wrote a, I wrote a play about um, fr uh, friends, a group of friends. And um, I remember my playwriting teacher told me, uh, it, it doesn't matter. There are no stakes because everyone knows that you just aren't going to be friends at some point. Nobody believes that this will work. And I think, to me, I was like, but that, first of all, I felt like that's exactly why you should write a play or a movie about it, because it's inherently tragic. You will not marry your best friend. But it also, I, I, I feel like this is my own <laughs> ranting about, I guess, women in film, but I mean, I think, I think there are so many more stories than falling in love or not falling in love. And I think, um, I, it's almost, I feel like it's our responsibility to find narratives that don't include that and, and that are real stories because I think that stories do exist um, outside of their specifics and there are forms to stories that we want and I really believe in good nuts and bolts storytelling but I think that there, there are more than just love stories for women. So, um, I mean, in even this movie, it is a love story in some way even though it's a friendship love story. Did you end up convincing your playwriting professor? No, I think she probably thinks this movie is worthless. <laughs> so, how does having studied playwriting, how does that compare to screenwriting? I mean, I can't really. I, I've, I've never been published as a playwright or any. I mean, it was. A, it was. A, I mean, I got rejected by Yale Drama School, so I don't. I mean, that's my only um, claim to that. So I don't. I mean, I. I can't. For me, I don't. I wouldn't really have the ability to say, oh, this is how it's different. I mean, I will say, um, I tend to really overwrite my scenes. Um, and I think it shows up in Francis, but in a nice way. There's all these little moments and then long scenes where people are just in a room together. And I think that's a little bit because of me. I mean, it's because of Noah too, but because my instinct is to always make like 10 minute scenes. Um, which uh, is in some ways anti-cinematic, but I think like with so many things, if you can make um, something about you that's kind of doesn't fit the mold or is kind of a failing into your signature, then maybe it'll work for you. So I've just embraced the fact that I write really long scenes. So you mentioned earlier uh, that when the movie was first being conceived, that part of the idea was to film in New York, and we're here in New York. Um, so how does the city figure as a character in the movie? Well, I think, um, I mean, I, I think in a lot of ways, I think, uh, I mean, in that scene we just watched, uh, there's, there's the line, she says, do you want to see my room? And uh, a few other characters say that in the course of the film. And something that we talked about was, when is it, When's the last appropriate time in your life that you can say, do you want to see my room? And I think 
because New York is so expensive and so daunting that that age gets push, pushed a lot closer to 30 than maybe in other places. And I think um, the hardness of the city of being successful here and um, and the and the beauty of I mean I I love New York so much it's hard for me to even talk about it in an analytical way I just I love it and I I I've been very lucky but I certainly spent a couple of lean years here and um, there's something terrifying about that because if you don't if you're not from here and you don't have anything to fall back on it really is like if three things go wrong this week i have to go home which is a terrible feeling but it's also when it goes right it's so tremendously exciting and thrilling and you feel like you're part of a tradition of going to this city to seek your seek your fortune and with the the black and white is that at all a reference to manhattan the movie um, it was I, I, the decision to shoot in, shoot in black and white was very intuitive, and I mean we did a lot of camera tests and really tried to get that sort of silvery soft black and white that's in the movie. But um, it was much it was as much about the I think some of the French New Wave films as it was about Woody Allen. Um, but I think it it was also because we were making it on, on our own terms and we were making. A, a movie about women, in, in which, not, you know, there's no not, no fi fire, <laughs> nobody dies, nobody has sex, um, because we were doing something like that. It, we also felt like, let's make it exactly how we want to make it. We want to make it in black and white, and we we can do it. We're not we're making it exactly how we want, and it seemed like it was a tribute to our love of a certain kind of cinema. Was there anything that you thought, you know? if we're gonna make a movie exactly the way we want, let's do it this way, and then it wasn't possible? We originally were doing this close-ups of different, um, not, not in a pornographic way, but just as a, a piecemeal of, of parts of a Francis's body, like her neck or her ankle or her knee, and it's based on, um, I was inspired by, uh, not Claire's knee, but one of the Romer films, um, which I'll remember in a second. But, but th like flourishes like that, we did. We would try some of them, and then ultimately we pared a lot of them back because we felt it was um, it just it was heavy-handed and it interfered with the story. But um, but we did everything we wanted to do. We just it didn't all end up in the movie. So let's watch the other clip we have. Do I look old to you? No. Yes. How old? Older than I am. Older than 27. No. 27 is old, though. So, how much of Francis is you? Um, I mean, I put a lot of me in there, but I also put a lot of other people in there. Uh, some of them weren't so happy about it. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to to tease it out. I would say it, I, when Noah and I have talked about it, it, I I see it as almost like a like the way some actors have creations of characters that seem 
it's not them, but it could have only come from them. And um, I, I think David Thewlis and Naked is one example of that, which he developed that character with Mike Lee. I think Mike Lee characters in general have that quality. The actors are, it's not, they're not playing themselves, but it's, it's some resonant string deep inside of them that they're plucking and, and mirroring out. And so, um, I mean, I had a very, I have, I've had a very different life from Francis, and I'm a very different kind of a person. But I don't think um, I, I. I mean, I, I, it sounds arrogant, but I, I think probably only I could have created her. And is it? How does the experience of playing a character that sort of is so, you know, inherently cr- connected to yourself compare to playing a character that? you had no part in creating? Um, it's not that different except for, um, I, guess, I guess for me, some, if, I don't, um, if I don't understand a piece of writing, I have a lot of trouble with it. If I understand the writing, I'm okay. I mean, for example, Whit Stillman's Damsels in Distress, it was uh, t- totally unlike me and it's not how I talk and, but I, I heard, I could hear the writing when I read it. I could almost hear the rhythm of it, and I felt it in my body. I knew where it was supposed to be. And um, in some ways, I find that that exists more in plays than in in screenplays, because very often in plays, the rhythm is set by the words, and you're watching the actors perform in real time. And I think so often in film, the rhythm is set by the editing, so it doesn't respond as much to rhythms. Uh, but I, I can't do it any other way. It's hard for me to, I always feel like I'm faking it if I, if I can't hear it. So for me, it's really not whether I wrote it or didn't write it or if it's close to me and it, or it's not close to me, but if I can't hear it, I, can't, I almost can't do it. Um, so before we go to the Q&A, um, sort of changing the subject a little bit, uh, I wanted to ask you about the Arcade Fire video that you appeared in recently. A, a live music video. Um, can you tell us how that sort of came to be? Um, yeah, that's. Um, I loved doing that. That was great. Um, I, I guess. I guess Spike Jones had seen this movie and um, liked it. And so it's not totally changing the subject. <laughs> no, it is related <laughs> to Francis. Um, I don't know if that's why he he, but he was. Uh, he emailed the, my agent and said, I have this crazy idea, I'm doing this thing, does she want to do it? And um, I said, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's like, a, because I, I mean, I love dancing. I mean, obviously I love dancing. I love dancers, but I'm not, I'm <laughs> like so far from actually being a professional dancer. And nowhere in my life did I ever think I would be dancing in a music video, and but it's always, I think, if I'm honest with myself, secretly what I've always wanted to do. So um, it was sort of like this completely unexpected great thing that happened, and um, it was very quick. We rehearsed and put it together in a week and did it, and um, it's kind of the most fun I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, what was the experience like on the night of? Um, really scary. It was scary. It was it was scary because uh, it's it was live, but it was also forever because it was filmed. So it was um, combining the two 
scariest elements of performing, I think. But it was exhilarating. It must be what it feels like to be a musician or to play or a stand-up comedian. Or it, it, it had that immediacy that I think it's, 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 it's intoxicating, but it's, um, it also causes you to have a, a tremor. You're so scared, but it, it worked out. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's, I think we have a couple minutes to take some questions. Hi, um, really like the movie. Uh, I know you mentioned Romer, and uh, the other day I was watching Bad Blood, the Carax film, and I remember the David Bowie, you know, musical singing and all that, and I was wondering if that maybe inspired a little bit of Francis Hall and kind of what other films maybe inspired you while you were writing? Yeah, I mean, uh Definitely. I mean, I, I love um, Leos Carax, and I, particularly I, I really love Denny Levant, who did that scene. And um, and we weren't specifically thinking of uh, of that when we, we made it. It was just sort of we had written in this exuberant running scene, and then um, we shot it. And then as they were editing editing it we were trying all these different pieces of music and then we were just like, Leo's figured out the best song to run to and it's Modern Love and we put it in there. But um, I think there's a, I mean, I, I definitely the uh, the Romer films and the and Truffaut films that were sort of portrait of youth films were very um, influential. And there's, um, there's a film called uh, a single girl, um, which is uh, Jacques Benoit, and uh, that was very influential. There's a number of people, actually, a lot of books that were that we were looking at. Uh, it it always sort of felt like, uh, in some ways, I think the reason Romer was resonant is because his his films always feel literary. There's something about the scripts that feel like they're very written and there's a lot of people just talking about ideas. And I've, I think when we were setting out to write the, the script, we wanted it to feel like, almost like you could see it as a collection of short stories in a way or something that felt more literary. So I think we were looking at those movies for that. Hey. Um, one of the most dramatic moments in the film for me um, was when uh, Francis, not Greta, <laughs> Francis uh, is turning down the secretary position even though she's been broke this whole time. And uh, the theme, that kind of theme, like it resonates when I watch Girls too, the HBO thing, um, and about like the character arc of creative people sort of refusing pridefully or, or whatever and then eventually accepting employment, like uncreative employment. And I was wondering how much of that theme comes up when you discuss these kinds of like, you know, young person chasing dreams in the city, that kind of vibe. Um, well, I mean, it was something, I mean, in the, I, I hope I'm not ruining it for, for anyone, but I mean, Frances does have to, she rejects it, but then she, she, we, she makes a very practical decision of, um, in, in some ways, she gives up on a certain version of that dream. And I think, obviously, I think go, f go for your dreams, follow what you love, but I do think that there, we wanted to make a movie where 
we, a character makes an incredibly practical decision and then the movie re rewards that practical decision with something that's romantic, even though, even though she, she seems to have given up on a certain version of the dream. Um, and I think, I think there, I, I think you should chase your dream, dreams, but I also think, I, I mean, I'm 30 and I know lots of people who are in different stages of their journeys of becoming artists, but I think sometimes, especially in New York, when you're surrounded by so much hyper success, there's an idea that there's only one way to be an artist and one way to be successful, and that's be, to be rewarded financially for it and be in a magazine. And it's seductive, but it's just, I, I think it's not the only way, and I think sometimes people can get a little myopic about it and think that if I don't have this kind of crazy 0 0.001 success, I can't do my art. And we wanted to show a woman who found a way to do her art, no matter what. And I think that takes a lot of practicality, and I think practicality takes courage. Good evening, Greta. Thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, in that first clip, uh, as someone who's been working on his headstand, I gotta say you did that fairly effortlessly. Um, did you something, something you learned for the film, or you've been practicing yoga for a while? Um, no, I I I'd been doing yoga for a while, but we we did that scene. I think we did that t we did that like thirty seven times. So I was I had a lot of blood in my head. <laughs> so you said you have a tendency of overwriting sometimes when you write a film or whatever you're writing for. What um, what sort of TV shows or series do you think are really well written that you're watching now? And are, it's two questions, and are you considering writing any sort of series for your overextended writing? You know, I'm actually like the worst person. I don't watch, I don't, I've like, I don't do it. I, I don't, it's not, I know there's like amazing shows and I've done, I've, I watched like the first season of, I've watched the first season of a lot of things uh, and I thought they were great. I watched the first season of Breaking Bad, but I, I don't know, um, I, I, I don't, I, I have no plans on writing television, but I think there's obviously great television being written. I watched the, I watched Girls, uh, I mean, Lena's great, I, I've, I watch occasionally New Girl on the plane, which I think is really funny. But I'm so, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm like, um, I know I'm like missing the golden age of all time. But um, I, I, I always feel like I'm saving it up for, like I'm gonna get mono when I'm 40, and then I'll watch all of them. Great, well, thanks for coming, everyone. And thanks, Greta. Thank you. <laughs>